0: Love, talk Radio.
1: The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors Sit back, relax, and listen to tonight's show. Let's join our host, Ted Odorico, as he introduces tonight's special guest.
2: All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Season 10 of Golf Talk Live. I'm super excited this evening. It's uh, hard to believe that I've been doing this for 10 years on this uh, Thursday evening show, but uh, here we are uh, with our first show on the season. And I'm super super excited because I've got a very special guest who's going to be joining me here in just a few moments. But let me first remind everybody, for those of you that might be tuning in to the first uh, time tonight, uh, obviously this is a live broadcast that airs typically from 6 to 8 p.m. Central or 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern for those of you on the East Coast. Um, But uh, for the first few weeks, usually in the beginning of a season, I just do an hour-long show. It's typically two hours. Um, But uh, the first few episodes, like I said, is typically just an hour-long show uh, because we're minusing the Coach's Corner segment, which typically is in this time slot. Uh, My special guest interviews are normally on the second half of the show. So um, we're going to just have an hour show, actually probably just a little bit less than an hour tonight, um, and I'll tell you a little bit about this evening's guest. But as I said, you can go live, uh, you can listen to it at uh, blogtalkradio.com, forward slash Golf Talk Live. Obviously, if you found us, uh, you know where you are. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll give you some other great ways that you can tune into the show as well. It's virtually available on all uh, areas of uh, wherever you can listen to any of the podcasts out there. Um, but that'll come at the end of the show, and we'll give you that as well. And uh, for those of you that um, want to reach out and communicate with me, you can do so by emailing me at ted.golftalklive@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's Ted. Dot golftalklive at so, some of the things that we're going to try to really do this year, I'll just tell you again, For particularly for some of those that are tuning in for the first time, um, typically what we, we try to do, or I try to do with the show, is I have, as I mentioned, Coach's Corner, which is a panel discussion uh, that I have every year with um, a group of fellow professionals, uh, both PGA and some LPGA professionals as well. And we have a, a panel discussion on a variety of different topics designed to not only inform you of some things, trends maybe going on in the industry, but also maybe to help you overall with your game. And uh, over the years, we've had uh, some folks who have either called in or emailed me personally, and that's why I give you my email. So if you want to do that, I'm happy to uh, forward some of those questions onto the panel and we'll uh, bring those uh, uh, tips uh, that you're looking for Uh, into the panel discussions. Uh, If there's other areas of the game that maybe you're a little confused about as well, we'll try to cover those this season uh, on uh, the Coach's Corner panel. And it's always been a lot of fun. I've had uh, uh, many of the same uh, guys and gals that have been on the Coach's Corner panel come back every year. They really enjoy it. And uh, we usually add a few new ones uh, that want to jump in and throw their hat into the ring, if you will, as well. So uh, make sure you tune for that. And that's going to be starting on March the 3rd. We'll be running our full blog, uh, broadcast excuse me, uh, beginning March 3rd. So that'll be the 6 to 8 p.m. Um, uh, full schedule uh, to our broadcast. Uh, from 6 to 7 will be the Coach's Corner Panel. And then from 7 till 8, and that's Central Time, of course, uh, will be my special guest uh, evening uh, interview. So uh, make sure you do that. And as I said, we're starting Season 10 and really, really excited uh, to uh, have my special guest this evening. And uh, while I wait for her, I'm just going to read you a little bit about uh, who she is for those of you that have maybe not uh, heard past interviews with her. Uh, my very special guest this evening is Linda Harto. She is a world-renowned golf landscape painter. Uh, her work is displayed in the permanent collections of such legendary clubs as Augusta National, Laurel Valley, Pinehurst, and Pine Valley, in the personal collections of such notable uh, golfers as Jack Nicklaus, Ray Floyd, and Reese Jones and in the collections of the USGA Museum in Far Hills, New Jersey and at the Morris Museum of Art in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, Her paintings of various holes at the Augusta National Golf Club are prized by collectors the world over and in addition she painted the first of her US Open series uh, in 1990 commissioned by the USGA. Uh, It was a 25 year series which she completed in 2014 as well as a British Open Championship Series from 1990 to 99 uh, she was inducted in 2017 into the Low Country Golf Hall of Fame and has been honoured with the Golf Digest Lifetime Achievement Award. So a lot of accolades and just a, a, a joy to, uh, to have as a guest on my show. And I thought, what a great way to start off Season 10 by having her come on and talk about some of the things that she has experienced in her journey. Um, a little different area of, of golf than what we typically talk about here, but it's always been a lot of fun. And uh, as I said, we'll, uh, I'll bring her out as soon as she comes on. She just uh, is just probably needing a few more minutes here. Um, the other thing I want to mention, too, uh, for those of you uh, tuning into this show, you've probably come across my other show, which airs Tuesday mornings, and we just launched Season 9 of the Women of Golf uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, my co-host on that is L P J professional Cindy Miller, and she's also a member of the uh, Legends Tour, and uh, she has been teaching... For many many years as well so she's a great um, uh, a great advocate if you will of, of the women's game and we have a lot of uh, a lot of fun we've for a number of years we've been uh, interviewing a lot of the winners uh, off of the uh, uh, tours uh, this year actually and I'm going to not give you all the details right now but uh, 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 formerly was the Symmetra tour is now the Epson tour uh, and that is kicking in this year and there's a lot of great things we're going to be talking with uh, Mike Nichols in a few weeks, uh, the Chief Business Officer uh, on the Women of Golf Show we're going to talk about as we get ready to kick off a uh, new season. Uh, Epson, of course, is a new title sponsor uh, for the tour, so I know they're uh, super excited to uh, be in that position and I believe that's going to uh, be covered over the next uh, five years uh, is the plan. And a lot of exciting things going to be happening beginning right out of the gate this year. Uh, But I'll let uh, Mike uh, talk about that when he comes on the show. So you want to make sure you tune into that. And the best way to find that is, again, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf. So that airs Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And it is live as well. C and I host that together. Uh, But you uh, can go to that link if you're not able to join us during the live broadcast. Uh, You can tune in at any time. Just go to that link and scroll down to the on-demand sections, both for that show and for this show, Golf Talk Live, and you'll see all the previously aired shows, so you can listen to them when it's convenient for you. Um, As I said, there's a lot of other great uh, ways to tune into the broadcast as well and uh, hope that you will uh, listen to both shows. I think they're uh, very informative. We have a lot of great guests. We've been interviewing a lot of the winners off of the uh, now Epson Tour, uh, which has, uh, we've been doing that for about five years. We've been uh, speaking to a lot of the winners coming off uh, of the tour that as they work towards the race for the card for their LPJ cards. And I had actually uh, just share a very interesting story which I, uh, I've talked about before, but uh, last season just before the uh, Christmas break, uh, the LPJ had their Q series uh, down in Alabama. They had uh, two different courses. Uh, both of them were part of the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail, and it uh, was very, very interesting. Um, and I managed to go to the one uh, that was Highland Oaks, which is in Dothan, Alabama because I'm uh, not too far away from there and was able to watch these young ladies as they battled it out uh, to earn their cards and many of the players uh, who didn't fall in the top 10 on, uh, again, uh, which now is the Epson Tour but uh, formerly uh, Symmetra Tour, um, that didn't make it into the top 10, race for the card, uh, had to go and in some cases had to earn uh, their chance to play out on the LPJ tour. And what was really interesting is I had a chance over those four days to really look at some of the young ladies and how they practice, how they warm up and get ready for each of the uh, day's events. And I got to tell you, uh, talk about being impressed. Um, these gals are just the epitome of professionalism. Not only are they very diligent in what they do, uh, but they also uh are just um, just always out there practicing, always working on their craft and um, it is um, it's just amazing to watch them for- i guess for lack of better words um I just got a message, and I apologize for sort of cutting this short, this story. I'll have to share it another time, I guess. Um, But it looks like uh, our special guest is having a uh, difficult time uh, getting through the line. So I'm actually going to uh, place that call to her and, and bring Linda on board that way. So just bear with me here, and we will endeavor to get our special guest on. So here we go. Hello. Hi. Good evening, Linda, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. This is Ted Odorico. How are you?
3: Oh, hi. I am fine. Thank you.
2: Well, good. I'm glad. My apologies. I understand. I just got a message and uh, just to understand that you were having a difficult time getting through to the number, so I thought yeah. I would call you instead. So, well, I'm glad you, so you did.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I've... I've already done the intro and, and already introduced everybody to you. So I want to start off tonight, um, and, and I apologize uh, for the difficult uh, uh, getting into the show, but um, I'm, I'm glad we we're able to connect now. So Linda, yeah. what I wanted to what I wanted to talk to you about first was mm-hmm. when we spoke last year, you had talked about participating in a golf art symp- symposium. Excuse me. Back in October of last year, at the Golf Heritage Society National Convention, that was supposed to uh, take place in Monroe, Pennsylvania. Monroeville, excuse me, Pennsylvania. Um, Were you able to attend that? With given everything going on with COVID, was that uh, able to go through? And if so, maybe you could share a little bit of your experience there.
3: Uh, Yeah, um, they did have the um, convention, and I was to participate virtually. You know, as on a Zoom call. And we got started with that, and everything was going fine, and then the hotel's uh, Internet went out. (laughs) So that was the end of that, (laughs) unfortunately. But we are planning to do a a Zoom call with the Heritage Society anyway in the future. So hopefully that will make up for it. Oh, again.
2: Yeah, it looks tight. Linda?
3: (laughs) Yes. Yes, Hello. Hello? What the? Hello?
2: Yes, hi. Are you there? I'm
3: here, yes. Hi, Linda? Yes, okay. hello. Uh,
2: go ahead. Hi, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm sorry about that. I don't know what what's happened, but... Um, anyways, we, we got dis- uh, somehow disconnected in that. Um, you were starting to tell us you, you were involved in a, in a Zoom call with um, uh, for the symposium, for the uh, right. event. So t- tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yes, there were several of us that were involved in that that couldn't quite, we couldn't make it to the actual event. Uh, and it got going very well, and then suddenly the uh, hotel's internet was knocked out totally, so that. Kind of ended it abruptly, <laughs> but we we, were, oh, we did plan a future uh, Zoom call with the society anyway, so that will happen in the future.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, technology sometimes, and uh, as we're experiencing yeah. here a little bit tonight, really sometimes <laughs> can. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things, I guess. Um yeah. So, um, well. We'll obviously get an update from you a little bit later on when that happens mm-hmm. again. And, and um, But um, <clears throat> unfortunately, as I said, sometimes those things happen. So let me ask you something uh, a little mm-hmm. bit. There are some other things that your career is kind of taking a little bit uh, of a different uh, focus right now uh, on private commissions. Uh, maybe you could give yes. us a few examples.
3: Uh, yeah, I just completed one of um, a course in – Las Vegas TPC, Summerlin, and that's that was for an individual that actually had a hole in one on this hole on that course. Um, and I've done several uh, projects for different courses, like Glenview. Last year they had uh, an amateur event, which I did a painting for and some prints and uh jupiter hills i did something for their 50th anniversary so that keeps me busy Uh, you know a lot of private clients and sometimes clubs but that's that's what i'm doing now i don't do too much tournament work anymore where i go to actual Mm -hmm. the actual events like U.S. Open, I did for 25 years straight, so I thought it was a good time to retire from that. <laughs>
2: yeah, tra- <laughs> and A nice travel- even number. <laughs> yeah, tra- tra- travel is nice, but there comes a point in time where you have to sort of put that one on the shelf. And, and, and as you said, you've, you did it for 25 years. You've, you've shared a lot yeah. of stories through your work um, and mm-hmm. a lot of great uh, paintings and that. So, I mean, uh, I think you've certainly shared a lot in your collection uh, and, and which reminds me, I want to let the folks know that after the show, if they want to go and visit your website, it's harto.com, and it's spelled dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can go and check it out. They can get uh, an idea of, of some of the uh, – view some of the art, and they can also purchase prints as well uh, right from the right. website. So you definitely want to check mm-hmm. that out, and we'll remind them again uh, a little bit later on. So I
0: also mm-hmm.
2: wanted to ask you about – Uh, golf art in general Um, you're starting to notice that as a fine art genre it seems to be growing Um, people are increasingly recognized the beauty and value of it so maybe explain why do you think that's happening now what what is it that's changing from maybe what it's done in the past why do you think it's now being more recognized um, and, and that area is sort of growing
3: well, it's you know golf in general is growing, obviously, and mm-hmm. uh it's just part of that and because uh there's so many of us now concentrating on the fine art part of it, you know the visual part of the game uh, people are starting to take notice and having shows and some of the art um art museums and art centers. You know, they're putting on golf art shows, and they're quite popular. So mm-hmm. uh, we formed an a organization, the Academy of Golf Art, back in 2003,
0: and
3: uh, mm-hmm. we've been adding members, and, you know, occasionally we have shows. It's been difficult in the last few years because of, you know sure. what. But <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, we won't mention well, you that. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. But it's... it's um, you know, a growing thing. A lot of people really like it. They uh, there's a lot of artists that really want to do golf art, and the organization is a, a great way to bring those people together and organize shows at different places. So, uh, it's well, and and, know, and much like it.
2: when you. Right, much like when you first started out, you know it's mm-hmm. it's tough sometimes to get that exposure. So you it guys, is. and of course Very. you were found. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were a founding trustee of the academy. So obviously, mm-hmm. a group of you got together and, and formed the academy, and and um, now you offer the opportunity for other uh, artists, uh, some that maybe have been established a little bit more, but also new artists mm-hmm. that maybe there's quite uh, a lot of new artists. Art.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So for somebody that wants to um maybe be become a part of the academy, what's the best approach for them to do that?
3: Uh first is to go to the academyofgolfart.org and uh just look it over and then if they're interested they can uh submit a you know, uh inquiry and we'll get back to them and see we would like to review their art and you mm. know everybody agrees, then we invite them to become a member.
2: Now, obviously, you're going to have some that maybe are very similar to other artists and things like that. Do you Mm -hmm. try to um, have a variety of different options? I mean, again, you don't want to necessarily just, uh, you know, not include somebody. I mean, obviously, if somebody's out there and and working much as as the rest of you. But if you have, um, say, two or three that are kind of very similar, do you try to – uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you want to welcome everybody, but do you try to have different mm-hmm. types of genre and things like that, so it's a sort of an overall representation in the academy?
3: Well, it, as it turns out, most most of them are significantly different, thankfully, and and also yeah. we have different levels of membership too. I mean, you mm-hmm. can you can be a member and not even necessarily uh, submit, or you can submit to a juried show. Uh, there's just all levels of it. I mean, we include everybody, really. Sure. So
2: So what has been some of the the different uh, maybe genres or different uh, artists that you've come across? You don't necessarily have to. I mean, you're welcome to name uh, individuals if you want, but what's been some of the other unique um, uh, perspectives, let's say, that you've come across um, Mm -hmm. in the academy?
3: Well, some people like to do the players themselves. You know, mm-hmm. or the the motions of the swing i mean i've I've seen kind of abstract works that that follow the motions, and of course, there's always sculpture and even photography i mean we we have some mm-hmm. great photographers and uh then there's abstract which works as well I mean some of those are wonderful.
2: Now, does the Academy offer any sort of uh, uh, courses or seminars? Maybe, as an example, let's say if somebody was interested, mm-hmm. um, maybe has you know, obviously some talent in something, but um, maybe is interested in, in pursuing something like that, does the Academy have anything sort of uh, seminars, you know, webinars, what have you, available for somebody to learn more uh, about how to get into this uh, sort of area of golf?
3: Well, that's definitely uh, one of the purposes of forming the organization, but as yet we have not gotten to that point. And again, you know, a recent development. Sure. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, it just sort of makes it difficult to to do those sorts of things. So they're on hold for the moment, but there's there's future in that, definitely. That was part of the plan.
2: Right, and and that's what I say. I mean, that's something. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, when, when things uh, get a little bit um, easier here, let's say, for lack of better words, that's something that's definitely in, in the in the future of uh, the Academy of Golf Art. I think that's fantastic, and uh, it's interesting that you're able to attract so many different genres uh, to the Academy uh, to again mm-hmm. give a, a perspective to to the uh, to, to the craft, if you will.
3: Uh, well, you know. artists have a way of looking at things in different ways anyway, mm-hmm. and the game of golf has landscape, it has people, it has every aspect of any art, so it's it, it fits in with anyone who's interested in the game, whether it's historical, uh, any facet of it really, it's it's amazing what people come up with and it's really great. You know, I think it's an important part of the game period and it always has been. it's just been a little bit in the background historically, I'd say, you know, I think there was much more of it in, in England. uh, Mm -hmm. There's many more historical paintings of golf in England than there are in this country. Not sure why, but that's, with. Well, I think
2: it's uh, yeah. I think you'll you'll start to see as you as you are noticing now more and more sort of coming into the forefront. In that mm-hmm. now I, I mentioned earlier on, um, just prior to you coming on, um, a little bit about your collections, which are are in have been in the USGA's Museum in Far Hills, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and then also in the uh, Morris Museum of Art in Augusta, Georgia. Talk about the USGA Museum first off. Give us an idea of some of the things that they'll they find in there from your collection?
3: Uh, well, they actually have the very first golf painting I did, <laughs> which was the first painting I was commissioned um, by Augusta National to do, the 13th hole. That was in 1984. Mm-hmm. So they have that one and also the second one I did, which was the 16th hole. Um, so they have some... <laughs> definitely some of my historical paintings. (laughs) I mean, before that, I was painting all kinds of different subjects, but uh, after that commission from Augusta, pretty much everything for the last 30, what, 7 years or what, has been golf. So I have quite a lot of things out there. They're in different private clubs and uh, private collections. Uh... You know, they're on display in some clubs, like Pinehurst has four or five original paintings on display. Augusta has quite a lot of them on display. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they're they're kind of everywhere. All the different U.S. Open venues, quite often the uh, club would purchase the um, official painting that I did for that year. So they're
2: everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as I mentioned, there are also you know, uh, some of your work is in the Morris Museum of Art, which is in Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, obviously I would assume that uh, there would be a number of pieces from Augusta National that would be uh, featured in there as well, uh, being it's in the same neck of the woods.
3: Um, yeah, you know, uh, most uh, of them are in private collections, so it depends on whether people donate them you know, to mm-hmm. these uh, Museums and things, but museums generally don't purchase directly. Right. So it's up to the collectors to kind of decide to do that.
2: (laughs) Right, right, of course. Um, So you've been doing this now uh, in the golf area, as you said, roughly around 37 years. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you haven't done to this point that you'd like to do?
3: Well, there's a lot of courses on my bucket list. Let's put it that way, and I'm I'm trying to get to them. Um, places like Cyprus, and mm-hmm. there's still a lot of the Scottish and Irish courses I really like. Uh, it, you know, I only do about three or four a year. They take so long to do, right? Uh, that I'm working on it. <laughs>
2: Well, I remember in in past uh, conversations that you talked about the length of time and the process, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have to go through. So uh, the fact that you're even doing, you know, three or so a year is amazing. I mean, when you think about what work goes in, and and again, visit, uh, you know, Linda's website, harto.com. Uh, you'll Mm -hmm. see exactly what I'm talking about and uh, we'll remind them again at the end of the show. So you've got a few courses uh, that are obviously on your bucket list to do uh, that you've mentioned. Have you done any, do you primarily just focus on the golf courses or do you yourself, have you done um, individuals like players, for instance, is that something that you've done as well or, you know, had an interest in? No, I
3: don't do too many players. Um, <clears throat> when I was first starting out, I had uh I had a few people in my paintings. And then I suddenly decided they were not necessary to be there. <laughs> so I quit putting them in. But yeah, once once you put people into a scene like that, you you kind of create a narrative and right. it's if you if there's no people in it and it's just the the landscape and the and the mood, then you put yourself in it, and it, it makes you uh, experience it a lot more deeply. Let's see, it's sort of the metaphysical aspect of golf, which I think is is pretty strong, actually. And I first became aware of that when I was in Scotland in oh, I'd say '88, around '88, '90. Uh, after going to quite a number of courses over there, I think you get a much more deeper sense of the historical uh, feeling of golf, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And once that happened, it was like being red-pilled, kind of. (laughs) And I really was able to concentrate on uh, being able to... uh, Convey that in any painting that I did. So when I visit a course, I want to absorb what that course is like, how it feels, you know, and then the the scene that I choose hopefully kind of sums that all up. It's it's just a process. It, as I
2: mentioned, right? As I mentioned, you've you've talked about in the past the process um, mm-hmm. of of you know, completing whatever uh, course that you're looking at or hole that you're looking at. Um, what's the most difficult part? Obviously, you've been doing this for a long time, so I think the mm-hmm. painting aspect. I think you, you've obviously uh, excelled that very well. But what's the hardest part of the journey? What is it? Gathering the information. Is it sort of assessing yeah. what it is that you want to put down on canvas,
3: or mm-hmm. is it
2: actually the the task of doing it?
3: No, it's more all the preliminary. <laughs> You know, it's visiting the course, having it at the right time, having uh, while you're there is the light right. Sometimes, you know, it's a terrible week or whatever and I'll have to go back another time or I just don't get what I want, you know. It, I just have to find that lighting and that 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 scene uh, and get all the reference material I think I'll need and then back at the studio, I have to kind of digest all that and figure out from there where where I want to go with it. It's yeah, just a and, long and that, process.
2: <laughs> well, as I recall, it's it, several months um, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, not just gathering the information. Again, the circumstances have to be right. Uh, lighting and so forth, as you suggest, yeah. but um, just getting that information, the, the images that you want to look at, and then,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know, sort of creating in your mind's vision, if you will, exactly what you want to put down. Um, right. So that might, might take, you know, weeks, months, what have you. Uh, but typically, once you've decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do,
0: mm-hmm. what's
2: the time frame on average? I mean, obviously, some are going to vary depending on the details, but typically, yeah. how long? Once, once you start to... I'm going to get it down on canvas, does it take you typically to complete a project?
3: Well, it it totally depends on the size, uh, mind you. (laughs) But a typical size would be like a 24 by 42, and that would take several months at least. Uh, You can actually see some of those paintings in progress on the website. If you go there and look under the studio, there's works in progress. It shows you from start to finish, and uh, there's so much detail in them that uh, it just takes a very long time, especially if you're doing something like St. Andrews when you've got all those buildings. Oh, my God, that's really a task. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I
2: imagine, too, if you're doing a course, let's say, that's uh, during the fall where you've got in the background, Mm -hmm. you've got the leaves with multiple colors, Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I think if everything's sort of green, it's a little bit, I would think, a little bit easier for you than if you've got a lot more detail going on in the background, like buildings, as you suggest, or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, fall leaves and things like that. That adds a whole, you know, different um, uh, perspective, if you will. Um, Typically, once you start that process of of actually putting it on canvas, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how much time do you spend on average a, a day? Let's say, like, is it something that... Once you start every day, I'm, I'm gonna you know two or three hours, four hours. Like, do you find sometimes yeah. if you go too long, you kind of get burnt out? You've got to okay, I need a little bit of a break and maybe um, you know take a day or two and and regroup and and what do you typically do once you start? Yeah, is it like uh, well, I'm I, re- go into I one really like
3: or... yeah, I really like to stay with it as much as I can because uh, you you kind of go into a kind of a zone. And I'll work on it every day. But, you know, there's other things that have to be done in life, unfortunately. So sometimes <laughs> it has to be put aside for right. uh, grocery shopping or whatever, you know. It just happens that way. But I, I like to uh, stay with it pretty much as much as possible and not, not leave it for, like, days or days or, you know, even a week. But it just depends. If you got to, you got to. If you have to travel or... Do something else. You have to put it aside, and then when you come back, you got to go through the whole process again to remember where you are. Right. Not not something you want to do, but unfortunately, that's the way life is, and you sort of have to.
2: (laughs) Well, I, I know. Obviously, from a visual standpoint, you can see kind of where you left off. Um, mm-hmm. as you're going through that process. But do you also make notes along the way? Like do you say, you know, as you're going along, do you kind of keep, uh, like, I don't want to say journal, but do you say, okay, mm-hmm. tomorrow I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on this. Do you, do you also do that as you go through the process or you just pr- pretty much go by visual?
3: Uh, well, there are sections of the painting that I know will take a certain amount of time. And because of the way I paint, I paint kind of in a, what do you call it, a la prima style where I work a whole area uh at once and finish it while it's still wet. So that has to be done within a day or or two. So I have to sort of gauge what area I wanna get done and make sure I have no interruptions or I don't have to do something else because I can't have that paint dry. I have to be able to finish it <laughs> mm-hmm. right <laughs> and that's that's yeah. that's when you see if you look at a work in progress on the on the website, you'll see how each section kind of develops by itself, and the rest of the canvas is blank, <laughs> which really <laughs> freaks out most artists you know it's not the way you're supposed to paint. <laughs> You're supposed to work the whole thing up at once, but I don't do that. I work section by section, and the rest of the canvas is blank. <laughs> was,
2: there a, was there a particular reason why you chose to approach it from that way? If that's, the reason why I'm asking, if that's typically, yeah. as you just mentioned, not the way it's normally done, is it just that's what works best for you, or that's the way you just decided you wanted to approach it? What was the reason it's behind just, that?
3: It just developed by itself, really. It's because I like to work the paint wet. So in order to mm-hmm. do that and still do all that detail, that means I have to do each section. You know, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't work the whole painting up at once. I mean, there's just no way to do it.
2: Right. It, do you it's just
3: developed by itself.
2: Yeah. Linda, do you, did you when you start a painting, um, mm-hmm. do you typically, you know, as you said, you're, you're sectioning it off, do you start with the easier parts, typically first and then work your no. way up to the more detailed or the other way around? or
3: No, I actually work from uh, distance. In other words, the furthest thing okay. away to the closest thing. So the first thing is the sky, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then anything that's in that sky has to be kind of roughed in, uh, the edge at least, because the whole surface is sort of sculptural. I use quite a lot of paint. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You have to look on the website to see what I mean, but <laughs> but it's but it's um, so I just keep working towards the foreground. You know, mm-hmm. I just keep working uh, the sky, then the trees in the sky, and then the, the rest of the trees and whatever's with them, and then finally down to the foreground.
2: Well, it's definitely a journey. Um, yeah. In, in the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you've it been test, tested. That <laughs> um, have, have there have there been moments, and I'm sure there's got to be some during the process where um, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but it's just, uh, and obviously you're not going to take on a task if you don't feel confident that you're. Uh, that you're going to be able to do it successfully, but have there been m- projects or moments throughout your career where you've gotten you sort of dove into a particular project and just said to yourself, "Wow, this is even more than I imagined it was going to be um, <laughs> Has there ever been moments like that in your in your career?
3: Uh, well, every one is a journey really, uh, and mm-hmm. each part of it you have to analyze and figure out how. To make all the parts work, I think that's really one of the most difficult parts of working the way I do is is bringing all those different sections together without, you know, there being a difference. And, you know, just working it totally all together without being able to see it until the end It's, it's quite a challenge, actually. And I'm amazed at myself that I can do it. (laughs) Another thing that amazes me sometimes is how I manage to work in elements that don't really fit into the scene, but somehow I'm able to get them in there. And that's manipulating space a little bit. And uh, it's just strange, you know, when you're taking pictures and, and I would think of the postage stamp, you know, in Troon for one thing. How you face mm-hmm. the hole from the T, and there's the island of Aaron over to the left, and but it's not in the scene. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I want that in the scene, <laughs> so I move the whole <laughs> island over in the background, and nobody knows mm-hmm. the difference, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because when you're standing there, you're you're aware of all that anyway. I mean, you're very much aware of all that. And just mm-hmm. because it doesn't fit into that one little frame doesn't mean that you don't know it's there. Right. And so if I move things around a little bit, I manage to get them in and nobody knows the difference. And I'm happy and they're happy, so... <laughs> It works have you,
2: well yeah. Well of course, the more you can uh, you can get in. Um mm-hmm. now have you have you had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to do that numerous times? I mean obviously you've done it more than once, but is that oh, something yeah. that you know Yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm I'm amazed. Like I said, sometimes I'm amazed at what I'm able to get into a scene and have it work perfectly fine, prospectively.
0: Well,
2: you obviously have a, an eye and a flair uh mm-hmm. for doing something like that because I'm sure that's not an easy uh, no, uh, task not. to be able to be able to do. Can you give us maybe another example of uh, one of your your works that you had to do? I mean, obviously you have many, but another one in particular that mm-hmm. that um you're uh you know, fond of that that you did something very similar. Maybe give us an mm-hmm. example of that. Oh,
3: I've done that with uh where did I do that with the Thirteenth hole at Augusta. I know I did that one. I wanted both bridges in it, and I had to manipulate that one a little bit. And then uh, I did one on Shinnecock, the sixteenth hole. And I didn't like—I liked a certain way the fairway looked, but when I was in the one, standing in one spot, I couldn't one of the buildings got in the way in the background. But if you walked over to the other side of the fairway and took the same scene, it was in the right place. So I combined right. the two perspectives. So I just that building just moved over and everything lined up just perfectly. And also there was a windmill way in the background. And I moved that over and stuck it in there. So yeah, I I kind of liked how that worked out. It was one of my better paintings, I thought.
2: Well, I think it's always good to to modify things a little bit to to fit your mm-hmm. eye, for lack of better words. Um no, I think oh, that's another very interesting thing, one.
3: another thing I do is is I'll leave out things that I don't think are important mm-hmm. or minimize them to the to the point where They're there, but you really don't see it. Like, uh, let's see, the ninth hole at Pebble Beach, behind the tenth green, there's a big old house there. And it's really distracting (laughs) because when the light hits it really strong, and that's all you see is the house, not the (laughs) hole. So I just put the whole house in shadow, and it disappears totally. You don't even see it.
2: I'm sure the owner is probably thinking what happened to my house well, but
3: too know. bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it works well. And for then the painting, you so. know,
3: when you're doing Saint Andrews, there's so much stuff that is extraneous. Right. You know, that that you just kind of minimize it or leave it out or you know, things like that. You know I don't wanna get every single detail in there. It's too distracting. You know, you want to not be too, too literal. If you're too literal, you don't get the feeling.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, as you pointed out earlier, you know, about having, um, you know, players or people in uh, the scene, if you will, uh, again, that Mm -hmm. detracts from the landscape. Um, you know, and, and that's where kind of ph- photography can kind of pick up. I mean, obviously, if you're shooting a, pho- photogra- uh, a photograph, excuse me, of uh, a particular area and there happens to be somebody in it, it's a little bit different. You know, you can certainly manipulate things, but it, not the same way. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing a painting, um, you know, unless it's something that, you know, somebody specifically wants uh, for a private collection, and, mm-hmm. you know, let's say they're they're little grandchilds, you know, walking across the <laughs> green and they want their grandchild in it, you know, that's a different story. But I, I can see where it would be very distracting. And again, by minimizing, yeah. uh, you know, like say it's St. Andrews where you've got the buildings in the background, um, you know, there's number one, there's a lot of detail for you to, to focus on, but you can certainly mm-hmm. minimize it to a point that people still see that they're there, but there's not, it's not a sharp Christmas uh, crisp, right. crispness to it, if you will. So right, I get that. Right. And that certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, is there as you look back and I know you've got a repertoire of many, many uh pieces that you've done, what are your top three favorites?
3: Oh boy. Woo
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> That's and a I tough one. <laughs> and in case anybody's listening, that may have done, I don't want to deflect and say, but but that you enjoy. Let's look at it from a different perspective. Um,
0: mm-hmm. What
2: were the three, let's say top three, that you really enjoyed the most doing, that gave you the most you know, pleasure, enjoyment, uh, putting them together, or challenges even, if you want?
3: Yeah. Well, one early on uh, was the um, the Royal Dornick. I mean, it was just such a special experience just being there. Uh, And it has such a haunting uh, feeling there, which I really,
0: Mm
3: -hmm. really, really loved that one. And where else? Uh, Royal County Down was special. Uh, Mm -hmm. My husband and I were there. We spent a week there. We rode horses in the mountains of Morn. And, you know, it's just a special experience to be able to not just visit the chorus but also know the whole area around it and experience it just makes it all that more special and i guess mm. the 13th hole of augusta was was a kind of an ultimate challenge in a way because there's just so much in that scene and then you have all the different uh, blooms, you know, of all the different mm. dogwoods and red buds and azaleas and all that. And I photographed that whole so many times, so many different years, and it was different every year.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: one year, it just happened to be the best of all. And that's the one that I did, you know, that that painting was such a success. And I was yeah, just I so ima- pleased with being able to capture everything that I liked about the whole in one painting, finally.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that it, it could be very frustrating at times if you're going to a venue... Mm-hmm. And you know the plant life is not cooperating with the image.
0: Right. Uh,
2: You know uh, things aren't quite in bloom in the way you'd like. And you know, especially some a place like Augusta National where you've got the azaleas. I mean, they're obviously very beautiful. um, Mm -hmm. But if you don't hit it the right week, and maybe it's a little cool, and they're not opening up yet as as much. It can be. Yeah. And um, so I can certainly see where that would be a a challenge uh, for you. Is there anything that besides venues, um, is there anything else that you have thought about that you would like to do certainly in the same uh, area, if you will, of, of, of body of work, um, but something that you'd like to try differently, maybe approaching uh, a scene differently, what have you, that you haven't done yet?
3: Ah, that's hard to say. I, i I did do one at Augusta that I thought was a very different approach, and it was fairly well received but mo- most most people wanna see you know what they think they know the hole is and this, right. this one was the eighteenth hole at augusta, and uh there was this beautiful live oak on the side there mm-hmm. and You know, so I did that painting with the live oak in the front, which really it's a painting of the live oak. (laughs) And and if you knew that course, you'd know just by looking in the background, of course, you can see the clubhouse and the 18th grade and all that. But the most of the painting is the live oak. Right. And it's just not your normal (laughs) scene. But, you know, that uh, one just happened to be one I wanted to do for myself, and, you know, you can look at it on the website. You'll see what I mean.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say that would be maybe something for the private collection. Um, Well, you'd be
3: surprised how many people we've had that have ordered it and said, I hit my ball right there. (laughs) (laughs) And they're not supposed to, (laughs) you
2: know. Right. Probably, I'm sure many have ricocheted off that live oak, and it's surprising it's still alive. Uh, but what well, you know, but, but again, that makes uh, again it goes to and I'm trust me, I'm certainly no artist, but uh, you know it goes to an artist's interpretation. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, one of the things uh, I guess the criticisms I would have is if you just do the same thing all the time. Um, you know, you see sometimes some artists will do something yeah. and don't really kind of change. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody, you know, has their own um, way of uh, interpreting things. But
0: mm-hmm. I would think
2: that from time to time, it would be kind of nice to just say, you know, what? I'm going to do something different. Uh, you know, even though this is, as you said, the 18th hole at Augusta, I'm going to kind of put the tree in the forefront because it's something. It's yeah. a unique tree. It's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be very interesting. And, it, and it's kind of refreshing, really, to, mm-hmm. to see that, that you're looking at it from that same perspective.
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I think one thing great about it, though, is that the landscape at all these courses is different. And if you're aware of the differences and you can pick out um, elements in a, a, any landscape, you know, of course, to me, the trees are everything, and also mm-hmm. the lighting is the most important mm-hmm. part. The lighting mm-hmm. makes the scene for me. So I mm-hmm. have to just find that lighting. Uh, it could be at dawn. It could be late afternoon. It could be any time of the day. But I have to sit with that scene until I find the right light for it. And sometimes that requires a different time of year mm-hmm. uh, because you know, it changes significantly. I was, right. always wanted to paint the first hole at a St Andrews but I could never find the right light for it. And finally you know, I was there in May of that one year and it I finally was able to capture it. So
2: it are just there certain takes time. seasons Yeah, are there certain seasons that typically I mean obviously you know, the dead of winter is not going to be something that you're necessarily going to want to do. But are there certain times, <laughs> is it better, you know, earlier in the spring? You know, is the summer, again, it, again, it depends on where you are and what course you're doing. Yeah, but are there certain times of the year that you have found typically work best for what you're doing?
3: Uh, it depends on the course. Uh, but usually... Like over in um, the U.K. or Ireland, I like uh, August through November. And in this country, mostly, uh, I still like late summer or early spring. I mean, it just depends on the course, really. I mean, sometimes uh, it depends on the, the actual tree makeup of the course if they have... Or if they're known for their spring bloom, like Augusta. I mean, you wouldn't want to paint Augusta in another season, you know. It just doesn't, it isn't the same. So it just totally depends on the course. And usually, if I have never been there, I ask uh, the members or the people commissioning, what, what's your favorite season? Where, what do you think of? That shows off your course the best. When do you think it looks the best? So we make decisions sometimes that way too.
0: Hmm.
2: Very good. Um, are there any special events that are coming up that you're um, going to be participating in this season? Um, obviously, again, we've you know gone through a little bit of a uh, a different. Uh, uh, Scenario: The last couple of years, uh, things have been canceled. Mm-hmm. Is there any special events or or things that you're looking forward to this season uh, that is coming down uh, in the next maybe few months or so?
3: No, I think I'm I'm pretty busy with the commissions, so there isn't any any particular events coming up, unfortunately. But um, I have some interesting projects that we're we're talking about right now, but. I can't talk about too much except for that they're
0: right. <laughs>
3: involved with uh, St. Andrews and uh, Northern right. Ireland, so <laughs> that's kind of exciting exciting uh, project, so we'll see. But that should keep me busy well, for quite a while.
2: Well, we'll have to keep uh, a lookout for that uh, on the website. Yeah. So for those of you tuning into the show, if you want to learn more uh, about uh, Linda Harto and uh, what mm-hmm. she does. You can visit her website at Harto, and it's H-A-R-T-O-U-G-H dot com. Uh, you can view yes. uh, probably most or all of her work there. And if you're interested, you can actually p- uh, purchase prints of her work mm-hmm. uh, available through there as well. Uh, and as uh, she also mentioned earlier, uh, there are some works in progress that are you can actually see uh, sort of the journey of, of different works that she's doing right there on uh... her website so uh... definitely check yeah. that out uh, harto dot com that's h a r t o u g h. dot com
0: and if
3: you sign Lydia, up for want... our emails we have a lot of uh... guess the winner contest on all the pga tour so you can uh... guess the winner of a different tour event and win a print
2: very good and then for those mm-hmm. of you that uh, maybe are, are uh, artistically inclined and maybe you're interested in, in reaching out to the Academy of Golf Art, you can do so by mm-hmm. uh, visiting their website. It's academyofgolfart.org. And uh, you can communicate uh, through their <coughs> website as well. Maybe uh, you've got something that you'd like to share and maybe become uh, a member of that organization as well. So uh, two great places right. to go. Uh, but um, go visit Linda's uh, website after the show, uh, harto.com. And check out uh, a lot of her great works. Linda, thank you very much for joining me uh, on the show. I apologize uh, once again for some of the earlier glitches in the evening, but I think uh, (laughs) we managed to get everything out. Um, Hopefully we'll get that uh, nailed down for for next week's guest. But uh, I thank you very much for for, uh, um, joining me. And it's always an interesting discussion. Um, I'm going to have to uh, get my artistic juices flowing here and, (laughs) And uh, I know it's not going to be anywhere near as good as yours, but uh, I'll see what I can do, and and maybe I'll submit something into the uh, Academy of Golf Art. But Linda, thank you very much for joining me. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I always look forward to you coming back.
3: Well, I appreciate all your good questions, and, and it was really a pleasure to talk to you.
2: All right. Well, you have a great uh, a great week, uh weekend and uh great rest of year and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you very much for right. joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. All right, bye-bye. Thank
3: you. Mm-hmm. Bye.
2: All right, that was my very special guest Linda Harto. She is a world-renowned golf landscape painter. And again, I apologize to the audience as well as her uh for the technical issues a little bit earlier on. I think we got them a little bit nailed out towards the end. Uh, hopefully uh, it wasn't too much of the show interrupted, but uh, and obviously she had some difficulty getting in uh, at the beginning of the show. But uh, we managed to work it out, and I hope you enjoy the show. You can go and listen to, if you missed uh, some of the show, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live and scroll down to the on-demand section. Uh, the show in its entirety will be there just momentarily, and you can listen to the recorded version, and you can just skip through the... Uh, uh, the early part there where I had a little bit of technical difficulty, and uh, you'll hear most of the conversation. And don't forget to go to uh, harto.com. is her website, and it's h-a-r-t-o-u-g-h.com, and you can check out a lot of uh, the body of her works. Uh, her paintings are, are absolutely uh, exquisite, and if you're interested in getting a print copy of some of her works, uh, you can purchase it right there on the website as well. might make a great gift uh, for that golfer in your family. Um, Thanks, everybody, for joining me uh, on uh, first show of Season 10. I will be, be back next week right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless, everybody.
0: Thanks for joining us.
1: We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Ted would like to thank this evening's special guest for joining him on the show. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. You can also listen to Golf Talk Live on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. Be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, send an email to Ted at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.